0: This podcast is brought to you by Saturday Avenue Productions, honey. Everybody, this is your girl Pamela Sand, and you are listening to The Pamela Sand Show. This is an exciting episode, you guys. This is Adam Lippi He's a creative, he's a writer, he's a producer, he's a director. He made this movie called Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me. It's gonna, it's, it's, it's pretty fun. It's pretty freaking fun. It's uh, actually kind of similar to what's going on right now with the COV thing and the um, coronavirus. I, I really... Uh, hope that you guys are staying safe during all of that, during the pandemic. I hope that everyone's at home. I hope everybody's wearing gloves and masks and all the things that keep you safe and able to hug and touch your loved ones. All those things. I wish all those things upon you. And back to this, the meaningful episode today. It's Adam Lippy. He's amazing. You guys stick around. But right now, right now, now, get into the playlist. The playlists are only available on Spotify. If you type in Pamela Roxanne, you'll see a lovely cartoon of me. I think it's lovely. You might think it's lovely as well. You click it. Of all things, you click it and then you enjoy all the jo- all the uh, jams, all the wonderful playlists. I have 90s, I have hip hop, I have rock, I have all types of R&B, I have music, I guarantee you that you have not heard, I have the newest, I have the oldest, I have everything. So head on over there and one of the songs from one of those playlists I'm going to be playing right now. Hi everyone! This is the Pamela Rock Fan Show, and I'm here with my lovely guest. And I forgot to ask how to pronounce your last name. Is it Adam Lip? Lippy. Lippy. Gotcha. Adam Lippy, who is a director, writer, and producer of a wonderful film that's coming to you very, very soon on some streaming platform. And he's going to explain that process to us. But it's a horror comedy called "Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me." And that sounds like a ball of fine. So can you tell us a little bit about the movie?
1: Sure. It's um, about a viral pandemic that gets loose in uh, inner city Philadelphia, specifically Knightstown, uh, uh, which is a real place in uh, Philadelphia. Um, and uh, uh, it causes massive dehydration. Um, uh, the film also takes place on the hottest day of the year. And it causes people to attack each other uh, in rather ridiculous and violent ways. Uh, the military uh, sees one of the attacks because it's caught on a YouTube video, and um, they try to uh, tamp it down. Uh, they realize they can't do it quickly enough, so they uh, fence off a nice town and other areas of Philadelphia uh, just to let everybody die off. And so the film's about the people who are uh, left sort of there to struggle and uh, deal with uh, problems that uh, were caused by not paying much attention to the virus or and or the government. Government sort of um, indifference and and actually downright encouragement of the virus's progress.
0: Now, when was this movie written?
1: Well, I wrote it in 2013, 2014, um, and we shot it in 2015 and 2017, and then post-production ended literally about two weeks ago, uh, because... When you're making a low budget movie you have to wait on people's schedules all the time so um if you want to hire the best you have to hope that um their uh the corporate work that they take that uh allows them to eat because you can't pay them as much doesn't interfere too much but that that is unfortunately what happens all the time so each piece kind of came together slowly at the end so it took a little longer than i would have hoped but yeah I, I'm, I'm quite aware of how reflective it is of the current uh global dilemma
0: that is exactly what i was hinting at because i was going to say did you have did you do this with the crystal ball or because that th- we uh, are well, living
1: I mean, I, I, here, here uh the movie plays uh, a lot darker than it was always intended it was always supposed to be a very dark comedy with horrific elements and now it is kind of very grim. Certain scenes are are, uh, much um, more uneasy than they used to be. Um, uh, The the villains out now just announce what their plans are in their very first introduction. Um, If your listeners want to go search for the trailer, it's on YouTube. Um, And that's the very first, you know, you'll see the trailer and the villain is basically saying his intention is to exploit it for viral warfare. And nobody takes it seriously because nobody would ever say that out loud. Uh, but that is indeed their plan. And so I was attempting to show the difference between what would happen if you did that in the inner city versus in a wealthy area. Yeah. Um, and um, as you probably know, they would more than likely let that happen in a poor area and just let it fester. But once rich people start to get affected by things, that's when everybody cares
0: very Uh, true which which is what we're
1: going through right now is when they when they realize oh no coronavirus can can kill anybody for any reason um you know because there's you know no matter how wealthy you are you can't always protect your health um they're gonna get scared so it is an unfortunate coincidence that my film was finished in the last couple weeks
0: that it is um, (laughs) it is but you know the title is catchy, and the the content of the film really does speak to what's going on now. Even though it's you could, everyone needs to laugh. You know, it, it's intended to be funny. Right. It's intended to be funny.
1: It is intended to be. Fu- it is intended to be funny. Um, but I, uh, I think people will probably watch it and be uneasy with it, even though while it while it is intending to be funny and. Uh, dark, and, you know, the characters discuss various conspiracy theories about how orchestrated it is and uh, whether or not it was intentional and, you know, what, what, a, what are the plans. In the trailer, someone says um, uh, the best way to get rid of poverty is to kill all the poor people, um, which is a conspiracy theory, but, uh, but something that someone might say and truly believe, so I thought it was helpful to at least engage with the idea. So the characters discuss it openly.
0: Very true. So do you feel as if. Is this your first film? It is, yeah. Do you feel like it's easier to write it because you. Uh, do you feel like it's easier to direct it because you wrote it? Um,
1: uh, It was easier to direct it because I wrote it. That's true. Uh, it, it was very complicated, probably way more unnecessarily complicated than I why anyone would make a first film like this with 40 locations and 45 speaking parts and 150 extras and doing it through SAG and um, uh, just endless complications and, you know, financial constraints. And uh, I wrote it not intending to direct it, and then I realized no one else was going to make it. And there's lots of scripts that get written that uh, are perfectly good or entertaining that will never get made because nobody has the money or has the clout to do it. And, you know, I rarely use the money, but I had to shoot it in shifts as I would run out of money. So it's not something I didn't go about it necessarily the right way. Um, uh, my next film is really just three people in a room screaming at each other, probably <laughs> for about one-fifth of what this cost. Um but uh, I guess I got a lot of production value because I shot it in Philadelphia. And the thing in Philadelphia is that there's, uh, Pennsylvania has a very, very low uh, amount of, of money dedicated to tax credits. So it means that very few productions are shot there every year, um, which means that it's easier to get locations because there's no productions. But it also means that um, nobody's necessarily interfering or interested in your film making making it easier to get locations and making it easier to get actors but there's not really much of a huge industry because there's no reason to make a movie there if you can't get a tax credit and the restrictions are are much more strict than they are in other states um i don't know how much you want me to get into the weeds about explaining about tax credits or the benefits therein. are but you're you're in
0: north carolina right yes i am so then you know, then the tax
1: credits are pretty good in North Carolina, right? I, th- I think they are for film production.
0: I'm not so, sure at all.
1: Well, I think they have a, a bunch of productions there. You know, it's not as good as they have it in Georgia, um, which is why all the productions are there, or obviously California, but that's why um, usually what used to happen was. Um, Any time a state would, would be in financial distress, whether like after Katrina or um, uh, in Michigan, um, they would offer huge tax breaks for filming, um, and that would last as long as, as, it, as, as they could manage it before some other state would compete and they would lose the, the, uh, the war essentially to gain the productions as much as possible but i don't remember the reason that north carolina was so big but georgia just offers a huge tax credit which is why i think all the marvel movies are made there ah. if i've
0: got that right so the more which you know like
1: walking dead, the, the walking dead is certainly made there's a lot of tv made in georgia um but anyway sorry i don't know if that answered your question about
0: no <laughs> no no you're good you're absolutely fine
1: um, whether, uh, so yeah, so I wrote the script, not expecting to make it. And I, I, made it enormous in size It's really basically writing a $15 million movie that then you've got to figure out how to finance, um, uh, and then make for peanuts, um, And then go all right well what do i need here and what what don't i need in the script so the first draft was was 144 pages which is an absurd length for something like this because it's basically supposed to be a minute a page so that would make a two and a half hour movie um so uh, by the time i got down to the shooting script which was 98 pages you know that was a little closer and then the final movie was 102 minutes with the credits so it was about right in terms of that Um, so it made it easier in terms of knowing what was always intended. Um, but it didn't, it also makes it hard, harder to cut things because you were more fond of them. That, that helps answer the question, because you're like, well, I really like this, but then you have to think, well, in the grander scheme of things, is it a good idea to keep this in here, you know, what, what point, thematic or otherwise, am I getting across by keeping the scene, just because I think I, I like the way that it's written, and you have to cut things that you like, um, just because it's hurting, it hurts the pacing, uh, if you leave it in, there's a couple of scenes that I wish I could leave in, but it would make the movie very bloated and slow. Um, so now it's a very tight ninety-six minutes pre-credits, Are, um, and I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking most people would find it just overwhelming and exhausting. But maybe that's a good thing. I don't know.
0: Are there movies that you would watch, or maybe scenes from other things that you would watch and try to use their editing techniques or even directing well, techniques? Yeah,
1: you, all, you, you always do that because you know everything is is borrowed from somewhere else. So. I I was most influenced by um, a couple of different things. One was a Peter Jackson movie called uh, Dead Alive, or in other countries known as Brain Dead, which is a very, very gory zombie movie. It might have been a zombie movie, but it's close enough. Um, and the other is a, a Jonathan Demme movie from the 80s with Melanie Griffith and Ray Liotta and Jeff Daniels called Something Wild, in which the it starts it was a black comedy and then becomes a thriller and then a sex comedy and then back to a thriller and then kind of a high school reunion movie and then back to a thriller and it just keeps changing over and over and over and you would think that wouldn't work but i was you know i thought what i like about this movie so much is how fond he seems to all the characters so a lot of work went into the script in terms of making each, even if someone appears for like two lines, just kind of give them enough backstory where they've got some. The actor has something to work off of. So I was thinking of that kind of thing. Even though that's not where you go. Oh, okay, you're making a virus, viral pandemic movie. You're 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 going to emulate something wild or Boogie Nights or something like that. But that's really more of a tone, a more of a a mix of goofy and thrilling and over the top and serious and just kind of flipping back and forth. The movie kind of does that. At will. And I, I mean, it's up to a viewer to decide whether any of it works. I don't really know. When you're so in, in the head of a movie for this long, you lose all objectivity. You don't know whether it works anymore. You hope it does, but you, you can't tell because I've seen the movie in parts or in a whole more than 100 times because I've been involved at every stage from, you know, editing, sound mix, all of that stuff. So, yeah, I can't even, I don't even know if it's good anymore. I'll, I'll just say for the sake of promotion that it's a great movie.
0: It is a great sure, movie. I, I saw know. I saw the trailer, and we did talk about the trailer for just a second, but I do want to say that the trailer for the movie looks exciting and good. Well, uh, I, I like, uh, I want to, first, I, I do like the production of it all. The, the cameras look nice. Mm-hmm. The scenes look nice. Like, you did mention that. Uh, but what I do want to know is, explain the disease in the movie to me. Because it says that it was, I'm sorry. I remember the uh, guy saying that they crave water. Right. Okay. So it was, it was, it was based on uh, viral
1: meningitis initially. And then I just decided, well, I get to make up the rules on how this works. So there's animated segments in the movie that explain how it works. But the idea is because the film takes place on a 95 degree day, Everybody is already sweating um, and just <laughs> makes you sweat. And the idea is it causes, within the film this is explained, but basically um, uh, it causes you to kind of sweat out your insides very, very quickly. And people crave water to a degree in which they would have to constantly hydrate and they can't actually keep up with. Mm-hmm. And because people are mostly water, they go after other people, and as one of the characters says in the film, you know, so why are they, you know, going after uh, people instead of the nearest water fountain? And the guy says, well, you know, around here, um, uh, people are more abundant than water fountains. Basically, explaining how something where where you're in a very densely populated area, there's going to be more people than water fountains, and so you're you're closest. Way to solve your problem of being uh, eternally thirsty is to rip apart a human being, and then eventually it kind of you know you don't have enough liquid, you can't keep up, and then you might pass out.
0: See, that that's not a concept that we've seen today. That I don't, I don't think it can be compared to any other uh, doomsday movie or zombie movie or anything like that, because that's unique to itself right there. Well, we're going to well, head. And the, and the difference is, I, I don't, I, uh, I, I wanted to differentiate from a
1: zombie movie because these people, once they're dead, they're just dead. There's no coming back from it. This is just like the last gasp. And then people are just caught unaware that that's what they're supposed to, to deal with because um, they don't know what's going on initially. The first section of the film, the locals don't know what's going on, but, but the, the, the government does.
0: Okay, we're going to head into like a quick break and then we we'll gonna come right back and talk more about the movie and talk more about your experience being a director, writer, and producer of your own movie. And we're going to get into the Pamela Roxanne playlist that are going to play right now for you guys. If you are listening on Anchor, then you can jam out and, uh, you know, hold hands and jam. And we'll be right back. Hey, honey, you trying to start your business? Are you an entrepreneur? You an entrepreneur, honey? You an entrepreneur? Get your tail over to the Instagram page of Saturday Avenue. Art. Right, we have something for you. We have amazing website graphics. We have logos. We have pricing charts. We have business cards. Anything that you would want to convey to your customers with a thought behind it, we can make that thought an entire experience, honey. I'm talking colors, wonderland, all those things. And we don't stop at your business. You can take us all home with you too. We have wall art for your home. We have all types of wall decals and different statues and things. If you want to Blow up your life with color. Head on over to Saturday Avenue Art on Instagram. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Look, my hands are up. I've done all I can do. Let's get into the show. Hi, we are back on the Pamela Roxanne Show, and I am still here with my wonderful guest, Adam Lippi. Can you say hello to the people, Adam? Hi, people. Ah! <laughs> How are you doing over there? How's the day going for you?
1: Okay, just, um, you know, we've been outside uh, once and covered our faces and walked a dog and most of the time just spent inside uh, working.
0: Right, Um, right. People have been coming up with ways to stay away from boredom. It hasn't attacked the brain yet, has it?
1: No, uh, I... my job is something where I can do it from home, so uh, as long as that lasts, I'll keep doing it. My girlfriend has a similar situation, again, like as long as the job is still available, we'll, we'll keep working at it, and then, you know, uh, you, you work on a film for, you know, thousands and thousands of hours, so it's basically like having a 40-hour-a-week job, and then coming home and then doing another 30 hours a week on, on your film, so I don't actually... Uh, Socialize all that much because all of it takes up so much time. And and so this hasn't, I know this is going to sound bad, but doesn't hasn't really changed my life that much because most of the time I would see three people in a week, which would be uh, the admin in my office, my boss, and my girlfriend. And now I just talk to the first two, email or phone, and uh, see my girlfriend and my dog. And so, it, it, you know, while it, everybody is scared and I understand that, it hasn't personally changed. My behavior that much, although probably eating more than I wish
0: uh, mm-hmm.
1: I had because you don't you don't get as much exercise. You don't walk around. You don't. You know, I, I understand the feeling of cooped up, but I'm just I'm just totally used to it. Um, yeah. But I sympathize with anybody struggling to get through this problem because uh, it's it's probably a big shift for people who socialize a lot or are used to interacting so much more, um, and now now they're um, having a retreat to you know what it's like being i don't know a nerd in high school which is what I was so this isn't a big <laughs>
0: isn't a big shit for me see i'm the um, same way i'm trapped in the house i'm fine i go to work and home and i'm good but what speaking of attacking the brain i did want to know is there what would be your advice to the young kids that want to know how to be a director and how to be Make their movie come from imagination to screen. How does it happen?
1: Uh, well, you, I would advise nobody to do what I did, but I would, uh, I would start small. Um, I would write. I mean, what you're always taught is write a script based on locations that you know you can get, featuring actors you know who are good, who who will work with you cheaply or free or whatever, um, with equipment you already have. Uh, right in the you know props you already own, keep everything cheap because it's very difficult to make money as an independent filmmaker, and it's very difficult to get noticed. It doesn't matter anymore if the movie is good. The good, if the movie is good, that's what well, that's going to be the pride you take in it. There the money you make is going to be minimal. Uh, you want to get noticed. There's that element to it, but it's very difficult to do because it's so much easier to make a movie now than it used to be. So it means that everybody does it, and it means that there's so much product that you're competing against everyone else. And it, I, I have to reiterate this part. It doesn't matter if it's good. It's utterly irrelevant. And you're going to be stuck in a situation where you're going to want to be big and ambitious, and you shouldn't do that. Um, uh, Rob Rodriguez, the guy who who made uh, El Mariachi and Desperado, Sin City, Spy Kids, all those things, he said in one of his early books um, that everybody has – 10 terrible movies that they've got to make at the beginning to get out of their system before they're making real movies something about like 10 movies and he was making shorts before he made el mariachi and that's kind of correct but you have to get all the bad stuff out of your system but you're going to have to work small because you're you're going to have to be proud of what you do uh because nobody else is going to like it or appreciate it um and that's not your fault it's just sort of the nature of it if you want you can make your own film without going to film school i happen to go to film school but it wasn't it wasn't helpful in the way that you might think it's helpful for networking it's helpful for understanding how to uh i guess the the term would be herd cats um where you learn how to um, get everybody to show up at a particular time and be convincing which is, you know, and then while they're working for nothing, uh, which you do in college.
0: Well, what and are the you're... negatives? <laughs>
1: What's that?
0: What would be the negatives to college?
1: Uh, the negative to college is mm-hmm. that you're going to be uh, in debt.
0: Ah, well, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, the film school doesn't really have a ton of value except for the networking part but then I don't really believe America in America is a meritocracy anyway I just believe it is nepotism and networking so if you want to look at it that way that's fine if you think that's worth the $200,000 worth of student debt that you're going to acquire maybe you, it is maybe you end up with an internship and you end up in Los Angeles working for some script reader and you move up the ladder but honestly do you think it's worth it? The middle.
0: What's that? Do you think it's worth it?
1: Um, not now, I don't know. Um, I think because you can do it on your own, um, it's not necess- not necessary. And I think it takes a certain personality type to get through all of the the no's and the naysayers. And it's not that they're wrong. Um, the naysayers are right in a way, because you're not going to make any money initially. And you are going to make terrible things. You just have to keep fighting through that instinct. And you have to develop good judgment in what you're doing uh, because your judgment's going to be really terrible at the start because you're going to believe what you're doing is great and it probably isn't um, because you don't know any better at that point. Uh, so you need to practice and you need to get stuff that's terrible out of your system before you either age into knowing what you're talking about through experience or you surround yourself with good crew who can you know, help out your poor judgment uh, before you develop good judgment. I don't know
0: if that helps. Uh, I believe I in that. I always say, I always say, as well, practice makes perfect. And I have an art business aside from the podcast, and I always, I, I always, in, when I have a client, I always tell them that whatever we talk about or whatever we discuss can always be built upon and expanded and brought into something way better. Even if we get something really great, it can always be turned up to eleven thousand. You know.
1: Right. That's true. But you have to realize that you, at the beginning, do not know what you're talking about. Not you personally, obviously. I mean, the filmmaker, when he's starting, does not know what he's doing. Right. They'll come
0: um, to me yeah. and they'll say pink flip-flop or, you know, when you know, and you will talk right. about it until it turns into a bird and, you know, things, <laughs> things, oh, right. you know, right. in the beginning stages of things. And I think with a lot of things, they're just like that. So, right. so can you explain to me any specific hardships that you faced it, shooting the movie or maybe even getting it um, edited and put together?
1: Oh, tons, but um, I mean, uh, I'll try to I'll see if I can give you a quick one. I mean, uh, the first um, version of the script was written in 2013 and then finished in 2014. And then I tried to first make it in Philadelphia and I couldn't get the actors I wanted. And then uh, I couldn't, uh, couldn't raise the money at that point. So I tried to then cast the movie in New York and maybe shoot it there. But... Um, so I did cast the movie New York. I got the actors that I wanted, but um, I had a hard time raising money, and then I also realized that the location cost would be ridiculous in New York, like $12,000 a day per location, which I couldn't afford, and so... Um, I eventually raised some money and then we just shot the movie in Philadelphia the next year by taking the, uh, getting Airbnbs for the cast and um, busting them back and forth between New York and Philadelphia, even though because most of them are from New York. And then just shooting it piecemeal. And then you have what happens is where you know, you can get the crew for certain days, and then you run out of money, and then you got to wait six months before you shoot another day, and then you got to, you know, it just it it's an endless thing, and you have to change up the crew and hope all of the stuff matches, and then it's exhausting, and then you you know the same crew that started are no longer on the project anymore, and then you end up doing all of the jobs on a day where um, there's a couple of days we did where uh, inside under 12 hours. Um, I would I'd be the one planning this with my producer, and we'd bring in people from Delaware, from Pennsylvania, from New Jersey, and New York, and in under 12 hours, we'd shoot 18 scenes on 10 locations with about 20 different extras and four actors, and you just move from location to location, just drive every little place, and then you shoot the little bit of the scene that you need, and then, you know, you, all that all was on set was myself, two actors, maybe three, depending on the scene, uh, two cameramen, a sound man, Um, and the producer would be roaming everywhere and so i would be functioning as the assistant cameraman the script supervisor the assistant director the makeup person and writer producer director all at the same time while also in between takes buying bus tickets for people so they could get home when we were done with their with their uh, stuff for that day and to keep all the focus is nearly impossible but oddly most of that stuff ends up in the movie because you're It was things that were just mandatory to tie plot points together. So all of it is a struggle, and I can't tell whether it's worth it. I learned a lot of stuff, but mostly I learned don't ever do it this way. Um, So I guess my advice for anybody would be, yeah, start really small. And so if you screw up and it ends up poorly, you, you only give, you know, maybe spent five grand on it or something like that until you can maybe raise the money, or you maybe have some element to it that you can show that, that other people might be interested in future giving you money. But you realize the distribution is its own animal, and that's much, much harder uh, than just, okay, give it to a distributor and they'll put it out and they'll market it because they won't. Uh, if you've made independent film, you've got to figure that part out yourself. And most distributors are going to rip you off. Um, you're going to end up just basically giving them the film. They will not give you any money for it up front, and then the back-end money will hide in marketing costs. So you've got to do your own research on how on the, <clears throat> the best way to market your own film and distribute your own film. Because just getting a distributor is very easy if you've made a certain kind of film. Because I made a horror film, I can go to a lot of distributors. It doesn't matter if it's any good. It just matters that it exists and that it has violence in it, that it has nudity. That's all they care about. So if you make a film that's big budget and it's like a, a, you know, uh, or, well, say big budget, say more than $50,000. If you make a more than $50,000 movie that's like a romantic comedy, well, they're probably not going to buy that. There's very few movies that they'll buy just whether they're good or bad at this point. And one is a Christian film and the other is a horror film. So if you can fit into those parameters, you're fine. But if you decided to spend your money and your time and years making a period piece on a low budget, it'll probably never get distributed, and you're going to upload on Amazon yourself, which is not a good idea uh, because the payout on Amazon Prime is one cent an hour. So if somebody watches your two-hour movie, you will get two cents for each person that watches it. And I realize that's a ton of information all at once I just spat out. But um, hopefully that it was not uh, too dispiriting for anybody listening to it.
0: I'm sure it's very informative to someone who really wants to direct and wants to be in the like the positions that you're in. I'm sure that was very very helpful. And before we get out of here, I do want to ask you about sending your content to different streaming platforms and any the things people should know and things that you could have done easier. I don't I'm not sure. Tell me all about it.
1: Okay, so uh one of the things i'm in is a facebook group called protect yourself from distripper and the reason i'm in that group is before i was finished with production i spoke to a company called distripper and distripper is what's called an aggregator and there's many companies that you have this that you have to if you want to get your material onto like netflix or hulu or itunes you have to go through what's called an aggregator and what an aggregator does is they, You pay them per platform, say $1,100, $1,500, whatever it is, to get on iTunes, Netflix, blah, 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 all these different places. And then you either provide captions or you pay them to make closed captions or subtitles in whatever language is necessary, English, always. The problem was that there was only five companies that did it at the time, and distributor was one of them. And they uh, they shouldn't be handling the money, but they were handling money. So the money would go through through them as a middleman, and they did whatever they did with their money. But last August and September, they basically ripped off film, thousands of filmmakers for millions of dollars. And this was the kind of this was the company that you were required to go through to get on Netflix, Hulu, or iTunes, and a couple other places. So it put. <laughs> It made it a lot harder, and then everybody wanted to get their movie up on Amazon, so Amazon lowered all their rates. So you have to watch what contracts you get offered, as well as know everything about aggregators um, and know who's who you should avoid, who you should go with. Um, I'm experimenting with it. I'm going. I'm talking a lot to lots of different distributors. You can go with individual streaming platforms. You might want to go uh, on a, a place like Tubi if you can get there. Um, in which uh, they don't charge the viewer, but they put commercials in your films. You have to figure out where you want the commercials to go into your films, and so they they'll pay out a little, you know a bit better than Amazon, but um, uh, you're not going to make a lot of money either way. Um, there's kind of a cap on how much money you could, you could make through self distribution, and even in this sort of low level distribution um, before any you know big distributor like Lionsgate or. You know, Neon or any of the you know places that might put out a horror film or a genre film as such. Um, there's going to be limits on what you what you can make uh, financially wise, which is why you got to keep your budget very low. Um, so, because there's all these elements, and you have to know about. Um, foreign distributors and you've got to know about things called minimum guarantees and which is how much money you're going to be offered um, up front which is usually going to be zero unless you have a famous person in your movie now the likelihood that you get an independent film and you have a famous person in your movie is pretty low so I would throw out that idea of making money up front so anytime you make one of these movies assume you're not going to make any money that you did it for yourself and that you did it uh, because it, it was it was for you only and maybe the people who were involved in it because that may end up being the only people who see it. And that's not your fault, and it's not because you did something wrong. That's just the nature of the business right now, which is going to completely change and changes all the time about once a month. You've got to keep up with what all the trends are. But now that we're going through a pandemic and all these movies that we're playing in the theater or are on streaming services inside two weeks, who knows how long this is going to go Uh, And it may just be Disney putting movies in theaters for the foreseeable future because I think AMC theaters are about to go bankrupt um, because all of their – I think their their, uh, credit rating was just lowered a couple of days ago. So all of this changes Mm. so fast, and you just have to read up in all these different places, I recommend the Protect Yourself from Distributor Facebook group if you're a maker interested in this. And I realize I'm totally getting to the weeds here about all this detailed stuff, but um, it's very hard to keep up with and there aren't any really good answers. Um, there's only a series of frustrating answers and it's nobody's fault that you didn't come up with, okay, this is the right strategy. You've got to do what's called niching down and that's like find your, your niche audience and specify and market directly to them, and hopefully they'll come to you with, you know, if you advertise directly to them with Facebook ads or however you do it. um I don't know. Am I? Am I? I mean, I giving you too much information here. I realize I've no, on quite a bit. I...
0: It's okay. If you, if you want, you guys, you can follow. Adam on his social media, tell them where they can follow you so they can get all this information, this good, good information that they can research of themselves and learn. And
1: sure. Sure. I would. Yeah. So I, I don't use a lot of social media myself, so you can find the the trailer on YouTube. You can find it on wait, wait, don't kill me.com. I'm going to link it
0: in the description below.
1: Okay. Okay. And, um, uh, you know if you reach out to me on Facebook um, I'll, I'll, I'll see it and I'll answer it just Adam Lippe, Uh or if you find the, the Facebook page for the film send a message that way I'll see it uh, I'm not I'm not big on uh, Twitter or Instagram you know we have people running those accounts but nothing um, it, it's not one of my uh, p- uh, preferred methods of communication because um, uh, I, I find th- public uh, social media I'm not not a fan of because I think people say things that they wouldn't normally and that you get not just crass versions of communication but uh, perhaps more exaggerated versions of people than, uh, than they would like to present to the world or maybe that's exaggerated in, the, in a way that's unrealistic, so I tend not to post much on Facebook, but if you want to send me a message, I'll, I'll probably respond to it, uh, if, if, you're, if you're being reasonable anyway. Uh, I don't mean to be off-putting, it's just, uh, uh, I was in early on the social media and realized sort of its toxicity back in 2009 2010, and and didn't, <laughs> I didn't move away from it, per se, but um, I just saw that it wasn't uh, much of a benefit to engage in it so much but I'll have conversations with anybody that's
0: fine All right. we'll send a message within reason you heard it here first <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and we will talk to you guys next week and actually this is Pamela Roxanne week so there should be more content following this where we this is either one day this week I don't know where I'm going to send you the air date information you stay on the line Adam and I'm going to say goodbye to these okay. people in my house And if you are listening, I want to thank you so much. And I want to thank you, uh, Adam, for coming by the show. And I want you guys to jam one last time to the Pamela Roxanne playlist that are exclusively available on Spotify. If you type in my name, you'll see a lovely cartoon of me. You click it and you enjoy. It's as simple as that. And I'll see you guys next week or tomorrow or, you know, I, I don't know. I don't work here.